Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Way now to it's 159. Way to toss off, Ray. Good job. Uh, we have in 45 minutes, Law Murray, who is the best Clippers beat reporter out there, to give us an update as what team is rolling in here tonight, what they look like, how they're playing with Russell Westbrook. Three games he's been in the starting lineup. They're now 0-3. Zubats questionable for tonight? Let me tell you, his unavailability goes a long way to helping the Warriors win this basketball game. Zubats feels like, it feels like he kills the Warriors every time he plays them. He's very comfortable at Chase Center. Here's a little uh, trivia question for you. Do you know he's got the first bucket in the history of Chase Center? I didn't know that. Yeah, now you actually, do. Actually, I probably did, but I hadn't thought about it. You don't think about it every day? Little Zubats uh, literally, moment? With the exception of every single day, yes, I do. Okay. See, I think about it all the time. Now, Steph Curry, That's he wanted that thought. first shot, took that first shot, didn't go. Then I think it was Clay, that didn't go. Zubats got well, it. That's why they are disappointments. Are you ready for the Lester Keonis era? Uh, well, no, because he already got sent down. Is that it? Yeah. They signed him and immediately sent him to the G League. So it is a 10-day contract with many layers to it. Anthony Slater, uh, he reported here, and I'm only going to go through this once because there's a lot of moving numbers here and numbers on the radio never work very well. But here it is. Two-way contract players are allowed to be active for 50 games. Anthony Lamb has already played in 47, has three games left. Ty Jerome has played in 40 but has been active for three others, so he has seven games left. But, and this is the key, a team that only has 14 players on its roster is limited to 90 combined games from their two-way players. A team that has 15-man roster can use the full 100. So if Keonis or anyone else hadn't filled the vacancy before tonight's game against the Clippers, both Jerome and Lamb would have been ineligible. By adding Keonis, Lamb is now cleared for three more games and Jerome has seven more games. You want to talk about the mistakes that Bob Myers has made, the draft picks you didn't like, the trade that didn't happen, the sign, the whatever. Whatever you don't like about the decisions, you got to admit, this guy is stretching every single loophole he can find to keep this sucker going. Yeah, I mean, they have decided that Anthony Lamb and Ty Jerome matter to them. And this is how they show it. You, you sign Lester Quinones. Because you need him to eat innings for you, to put it bluntly. Yeah. 
And, you know, for everybody, you say, well, why are those guys playing? It's because it's the best, it's the best they've got. You know, you can't imagine all the things they don't have. You're de- finally, you have to face the reality that they need these guys to be at least available, if nothing else. Look, Anthony Lamb, to me, has proven himself. Now, for the I'm complaining about Ty Jerome crowd, I hear you. He's, he's, he is a pass-first point guard who plays the role, I don't know, if you, relatively decently. He's okay. That's all he is. Anthony Lamb has big moments in big games. He does. He does. I want to join the online outrage crowd saying, well, how come we're not seeing more, you know, Patrick Baldwin Jr.? How come there isn't more blah, 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 blah? Dude, it's because Anthony Lamb is better. That's why. He, he, he I don't want to say he gets buckets, right? I don't think that's the right way to do But he is a, he is a garbage man. He gives you minutes. You just say it that way. You don't have to stretch the definition at all. He gives them minutes. He is more trusted than any of the young guys because this is not about development. When you are thinking that you are good enough to win another championship, development has to wait. It can't be the first thing you think of when you get out of bed in the morning if you work for that team. Now, if you're working at Oklahoma City, yeah, development is all there is. That's the, that's the goal of every yeah. game. I mean, Winning if, tonight isn't as important as developing for tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, tomorrow... will Tomorrow happens tomorrow. This is about getting through day-to-day stuff. And that's why you get to see Anthony Lamb and Ty Jerome and not Moses Moody or Patrick Baldwin. You know, it, it, they're, they're going to have to develop on their own, you know, even if it means nights down Highway 17 or Highway 1 or... You mean the luge? The luge, yes. I can't believe it snowed as much as it did in the Bay. I saw some pictures from Highway 17. I thought it was. A, it looked like you were driving up to Tahoe. Yeah, and Tahoe's got avalanche warnings, so deal with that. But no, it's just this is not about 2025 or 2026. It's about right now. And Anthony Lamb has a better chance of giving the minutes that they will value than Patrick Baldwin. Pure and simple. And Ty Jerome, again, he's he's never gonna he's never gonna make you buy a ticket. You're gonna be like, oh, tonight we're gonna go see Ty Jerome play. But he's good. He's not he, how about this? I don't even know if he's good, but he ain't bad. He definitely ain't bad. He's what they need today. Somebody and need says, again is a relative term, but he's he matters more to them than than Moses Moody. Two years from now, that won't be true. But well, hopefully, right now, hopefully for Moses Moody's sake. Well, okay, but Moses Moody is not their immediate problem. That that's what I'm saying. They've they've prioritized what concerns them today. His arc is weird, though. I mean, we can all admit that, right? Oh yeah. Well, but so was so was Wiseman's arc. You know, so was Kaminga's arc. But Wiseman, but, but Wiseman's arc is dotted with reasons why not. Where to oh, me, sure. Moody's arc was dotted with more reasons why it might happen. 
I mean, he's playing significant, I don't know if significant is the right word, but he's playing NBA Finals minutes for the Warriors and playing them well enough to where you thought, all right, this is going to establish a little house credit with him. No, he started from scratch again this year. and, and went, well, I think he put and, himself in scratch. Yeah, right. I mean, he, he's regressed in a way. The, the thing is, the Warriors wanted that to go, have wanted that to go better, but it hasn't. So you deal not with what you want, but with what you have. And that's the thing. When you're in the middle of something like this, where you can be fifth one night and eighth the next, and 11th the night after that, uh, you deal with the right now. And the right now says, we got to figure out how to win today's game, no matter who doesn't get to play. And that's, I mean, I think that's one of the frustrations Warrior fans who get hooked on the two timeline thing. They keep thinking about, well, when do the young guys get their turn? It's not a matter of turns. It's a matter of who's helping you right now. Well, if you'd like a little star power, it's officially coming your way. And hopefully for the Warriors, they add their own baked-in star power with Curry returning soon. And hopefully Andrew Wiggins as well. But just look what the Warriors got coming up. This slice of eight games. It is starting the night. Warriors versus Kawhi and Paul George. Tomorrow night, it's the Warriors versus Brandon Ingram, which of all the star power I'm going to tell you about is the least amount of star power. Well, maybe not. I mean, are we going to go with Anthony Davis as the amount of star power that the Lakers have right now? Because if they don't have LeBron, that hurts. Then they're up against the Young Guns, a very interesting Oklahoma City team. Then they're up against Ja, who, you know, is just, Having a weird couple of weeks with all his off the court stuff, and I, I don't. We're not doing radio in Memphis, so there's probably not a lot to discuss there until they're actually playing the Grizzlies. But or until we know more, John Morant is it caught, looks awful though. Yeah, John Morant is caught in between um, being an adult and acting like a knucklehead. That's what it seems to be here, and he seems to be like leaning into knucklehead. It, it's very odd. You probably shouldn't be threatening minors. We're playing basketball in your own backyard. But it's, it's weird. It's or really weird. anybody, because what, what, what are you winning with that? You're not winning. In the, in the risk-reward world, Ja, there is no reward beefing with a 17-year-old about basketball etiquette. Then you got, by the way, after Ja, you got Giannis, then it's Kevin Durant, and then it's going to be Kawhi and Paul George again. I mean, you got some star power coming up here. You got important basketball. Every game from tonight, really through the end of the season, 20 games to either veer on to the right playoff path or maybe off of it. I mean, we're here's what's great. I mean, this is not, this is not an exaggeration. We're watching... One of the best collections of talent and one of the most successful franchises we have ever seen happen in the Bay Area fight for its life. Will they respond? Do they have one more haymaker to throw at the collective NBA, which doesn't have the punching power you would have assumed it might have had coming back to the Warriors? The Warriors play defense. It feels like they could win any game because they can score with anybody. They can. Big games while I was in Mexico, Ray. They swung a game against Portland from the loss column into the win column. I know everyone was really excited about this. Newsflash. 
Portland kind of sucks. They're as big of a one-man army as they're going to find in the NBA. And they, they stink, kind of. So that isn't that important. What is important, though, is that Clay's got 96 points over his last three games. Bob Myers yesterday. Keith had to step up in Curry's absence and in Draymond's missing games and some Wiggins. What I've loved about Clay since January as he's he's kind of put the team on his back in some respects in games where Clay has won us the game. I mean, he's he's basically said, I'm going to win this game for this team. And just his, you know, he's not the most demonstrative guy, but now he's gesturing to the crowd and he's slapping his teammates. And he's, you can feel his will when you're at the games. You can feel him willing us in certain ways. There you go. Will this team into the win column? And that's what Steve was talking about. You know, they're, they're playing with collective will. Draymond even accused his team of not having the will to play defense. Hopefully, Clay's will becomes a little more infectious and everybody will play better. And then you will get Steph Curry. You will get Andrew Wiggins back and you will have a really good march. And then you will have a good run into the playoffs and you will be in a decent seed. And then your NBA championship and Ray, we will be partying on Market Street. I can't wait to see you leading the parade. Well, I think you probably better plan on waiting for that. Speaking of waiting, if you're waiting for baseball to change, you're not going to have to wait. It is changing before our eyes. A few phone calls. That is all coming up. Also later this hour, Law Murray, who is the best Clippers beat writer out there. He joins us at 445 to preview tonight's game over at Chase Center. It's Damon and Ratto reunited. Feels so good. Eh. We're brought to you by AC Transit. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Welcome, welcome. It is good to have you here. Damon and Ratto back together. Is everything sounding okay right now? Grandy, to you? Anyways, because all of a sudden something just like glitched out in my headset here. Everything sounding good to you? All right. Sounds good to me then. Ray, sound good to you? I'm not paying attention. Fantastic. Uh, Sean John on the Otis Bird the Third chat line over on the YouTube page says, Damon, we really need to wait for all the facts with that jaw fight that happened last year. Uh, it's been reported that this kid comes from a family that tries to extort uh, whatever. Here's the thing. Don't put yourselves in situations. Don't put yourself in a situation where that could happen. I mean, every single player in the NBA shouldn't be looking to set up anything with a 17-year-old at his house. Like, that's just... John Morant and his dad were collectively welcome breaths of fresh air to the NBA. And I don't want to say they're, they're wearing out their welcome quickly, but there is a serious lack of maturity that is now beginning to define the Memphis Grizzlies as much as their you know, youthful core is supposed to be promising. You're starting to see some of the, the, the kinks in the armor that come with a youthful core, if you will. Yeah, I mean, the lesson here is pretty simple, which is don't get yourself in a potential jam. I mean, even if it looks innocent, you know, just and, walk away. Just yeah, walk away. Just, you know, Kids talking an incredible amount of trash. Who cares? Walk off the court. Walk away. Go into your yeah. mansion. Yeah. It just it's it's a, it's basically a loser's game. Even if the kid's completely guileless, just don't bother. Right. I mean, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there. But if you're a 17 year old kid, you probably deserve a smack if you're talking to an NBA player in some cocky way. Because you ain't and then you ain't John Morant. Kid. Yeah, but you know what? That's dad's job. That's not that's not John Morant's job, and it's not John Morant's father's job. That's the kid's parents' job. Let let them handle it. Because nothing good comes of it if you decide to parent. 888-957-9570. Oh, Cade in San Francisco. Hello there. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Can you guys hear me? Gotcha. Yeah. So... What is the restriction on players talking about players? I know you're talking about Ja and what he did. Leave that aside. What's the restriction on Russ uh, being talked about by name or or Green actually having his podcast and naming people or Kendra Perkins talking about Joker and naming people? Why do you want to do all of this mid-season or through just before the playoffs? What are you trying to prove? I don't understand what I, the rule around this is. Cade, your, your your questions are well. I don't I don't know. I mean, to me, saying less is what most athletes should be concentrating on. Now, for a guy who 
is going to have a future talking, Draymond Green can sort of get away with it. But yeah, I why at this point and and here's the thing I guess with the whole jaw situation is this stuff happened a long time ago or the argument that he's just getting into with Malka. I don't know. It's just I if I'm an NBA player, I'm not leaving my house during the regular season. I'm not giving anybody a reason to pick a fight with me. I'm not giving anyone a reason to have anything over me. I'm not giving anyone a reason to have a list of gripes or complaints about the way I'm acting, behaving. This is a business trip. It's a six-month-long business trip. Just remain professional at all times. And again, it's easier to say that when you're you know, about to be turning 48. You know, I'm not very mature, Ray. A little, little, tiny, scotch. I, I, I wasn't like this when I was in my 20s. That's what these guys are. You know, you know what youth has? It's got a lot of potential. It's got a lot of energy. You know what it doesn't have much of? Wisdom. Well, you get wisdom by going through things. And this is one of those things where, optimally, John Morant learns. You know, just because, you know... You don't have to establish your bona fides to everybody. At some point, the bona fides speak for themselves. So just do your damnedest to avoid the trouble. You don't have to not leave your house, but have a governor on. Just, you know, if something looks like it's going to turn hinky, just say, guys, I'm out. It doesn't matter if they mock you on your way out because you're still the guy with the NBA career. Right. You have more to lose than anyone. Oh, and more to gain by just avoiding the trouble. More peace of mind, if nothing else. So that's today's lecture from old people. There you go. And we will have more on the... Somebody asked me on Twitter because I promoted the fact that we were going to be previewing, like, the biggest 48 hours of basketball for the Warriors this season. And a guy named Schwifty on Twitter says, Why is it the biggest 48 hours of the season? LOL. Because a two-game winning streak can propel you to maybe, what, a three-seed? And a two-game losing streak could mean you're out of the playoffs. I mean, that is how bunched up this is. The Warriors are all out of games to throw away. They're all out. It's the two biggest games till the next two biggest games. That's what it is. It is, but it's, um, it's it's even made bigger, though, by who the opponents actually are. Well, no, yeah, because they're both involved in... The same thing you're in. In the race in. you're in. There, uh, hockey hockey teams call it a four-point game. You know, win it, you get the two. Lose it, you lose the two. And the other team takes the two away from you. If I may quote Bob Fitzgerald, that's a four-point swing. Yeah. I mean, essentially, there's no points here, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. The, and the, But what, you know, the next two, again, it's L.A. and Oklahoma City. Those matter just as much. I mean, Memphis and Milwaukee, not quite so much because Memphis is going to finish second and Milwaukee's in the other conference. Exactly. But then the two after that are Phoenix and the Clippers. These are Those big games. Matter. Yeah. These are big games. I mean, yeah, anytime it's somebody in the 4 through 13 playing anybody else in the 4 through 13, it's a big one because they all start to stack up now. I love it. NBA season regular season games that matter. We've been asking for it all year. When will the Warriors pick the time to start playing basketball that matters? Well, guess what? 
I guess they've waited long enough to where it's not their luxury anymore to pick from the buffet of what matters to them. The buffet has picked them. <laughs> All of if if you want to eat, now is the time. Now it, here you go. This is important basketball. Almost every single one of these remaining twenty games, starting with the two on the back to back, which we all know are the final two games before a long East Coast road trip. And if you're going to keep on winning, you got to keep on winning at home. It's who the Warriors are. It's what they need to do. Counting on them on the road has lost you an awful lot of money if you're a gambler this year. But if you're betting the NBA, you're asking for it. You are. You, de- you deserve to go broke. Yeah, you, you are asking for it. Especially if you're playing totals. Uh, I watched... Because I was in Mexico as spring training game started, Ray. I watched today a couple innings of, I forgot who it was, Red Sox somebody. It was on ESPN, some spring training game today. It's always the Red Sox and somebody if it's on ESPN. Correct. So today is the first game that I watched with the pitch clock. You ready to talk a little new rules here in pitch clock? I'm here. You feel good about it? I never feel good about anything, but let's do this. My one recommendation for the pitch clock is the only person who needs to be keeping track of that is the umpire. Get the countdown off my TV. Okay, I don't need to be watching a clock ticking from 12 to 0 or 15 to 0 or 20 to 0. I don't need to watch the shot clock. The umpire will let me know if there is a violation. I don't need to see it. Get it off the graphic. Get it off the the the, the you know the the green screen or however they're putting it up on the please remove another statistic that I do not need to track in real time I would I would suggest doing that oh see I want the clock I want to be able to see it because that impacts the game in front of you where the stat you know is just telling you what a guy's done in the past give me the clock so I could see what's going on and then I'll figure out whether I need to see it on every pitch or not I'd rather have it than not I don't need to know what the guy's OPS is you know, against teams in the you know, in the in the NL Central, see to me, it's almost like the, maybe it's because I work in radio. I can feel fifteen seconds. I, I can, I can feel fifteen seconds. I can almost as accurately as a stopwatch tell you when fifteen seconds are up. It's the same thing that happens when I start watching guys run the forty at the combine. Like within a couple two tenths of a second, if I watch about. 5, 10, 15, 40 times, I can start guesstimating where that sucker is coming in. So, like, I'm just good at feeling time. Maybe that means I need it less. I don't know. But No, I mean, you get to have the opinion you get to have. I'm just telling you that this is something that is impacting the game right now. Statistics, for the most part, do not impact the game right now. Right, they just help the narrative move yeah, along. It's, yeah, and I don't need the narrative. In fact, there's less time for narratives. That's one of the things that people are going to figure out about the pitch clock. There won't be nearly as many long stories that fill in the space between pitches because there was not going to be a lot of time between pitches. No, it just it's, it's never been easier or harder to be a color guy, depending on how quickly you can get a thought out, right? Tim Roy could get a job in baseball. Without a doubt. He could be one-man army in that bad boy. So, to me, based on what I saw a few innings this morning, Ray, the new pitch clock has basically turned every single starting pitcher in baseball into Johnny Cueto. 
Which or, is what they wanted. Or Mark Burley, who I think worked faster than anyone I've ever watched. Like, Burley worked like he had somewhere to go. Oh, Rick Rushel is, like, he's the prototype on that. Um, he would... He would routinely come in under two hours and be disappointed if it was more than two hours. And when I asked him one time about it when he was out of pitch for the Giants, he says, why work more when you can work less? There's perfect logic. I mean, is he working more or is he just working faster? Well, it's still fewer pitches. It's still more economy. You know, he's on the road at 930 rather than 1030. He was all, all in favor of that, and I can see his point. Let's declare what we're looking at, what it really is. It's among the biggest rule changes any sport in our lifetime. The consequences of the pitch clock, Ray, run far beyond just the hitter and the pitcher and the color commentator who now needs to get his point in faster than ever before. The amount of time that the bench has to communicate to the catcher, the pitcher, however they're sending strategy in. The amount of time that managers have to think of what they're about to do. I mean, they got to be two hitters ahead. I mean, we all know that they needed to be in the first place. But now, you got to know what you're doing before you even do it. And the amount of time that guys are going to have to warm up in the bullpen, the lack of time that veteran pitchers who have very much established who they are on the mound are going to have... This is probably going to be easier for younger players to develop the sense of a pitch clock than it is for crusty old veterans who have already decided, this is my major league career, this is the way I do it, and now they are about to be changed radically. Alex Cobb on the Giants Talk podcast, probably coming out of Scottsdale, the most thumbs-down on the new pitch clock of anyone I've heard with the Giants organization, that's for sure. Here's Alex Cobb on the NBC Sports Bay Area Giants Talk podcast. What's funny about all of this is uh, it seems like so much, and then you talk to people that have been through it. A lot of the guys in our camp right now were in AAA last year. Talked to a lot of minor leaguers about it, a lot of coaches that were in the minor leagues, and they say they, every time you talk about a certain thing, they say it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't change much. It feels like somebody's breathing down your neck on the mound, and everybody says that's normal for the first couple weeks, month, and then it became, like, second nature. Today, I threw my second live VP. It didn't affect me near as much as it did the first one. So I can I can see how that's going to play itself out, and I'm all for a quicker pace. I would love to, to get home and see my family before bed, you know, <laughs> which I'm sure most people would. That is a little bit of a change of tune from Alex Cobb, as he said, his first go around with the pitch clock, where he said it didn't feel like baseball. It didn't feel like pitching. I'm used to throwing a pitch and going through information at hand, and there's just no time for that anymore. It's hard to even digest what is going on. But well, as he said, he's he's acclimating himself yeah. to the new rules. Yeah, that you can acclimate yourself to nearly anything when there's enough money on the table. And, and Max Scherzer, who is one of those old guys, said... I love the pitch clock. Now I have more power than I had before. So it's really just in how you look at it. Because I have a feeling that early on, the pitch clock is going to depress offenses. I think it's going to be worse for hitters than it is for pitchers. Well, that's what Tim uh, or Tim Kirchin said when he joined us a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I know. I, I think I, well. I think every rule change that is designed either to speed the game up or or increase offense. 
usually works to the direct opposite of what they're trying to do. Now, I think the pitch clock, if they adhere to it for the entire year and don't allow any elasticity here, is going to shorten game times by about 20 minutes. But is that going to be worth it if you're going to get more three to nothing games? You know, because you're trying to get more action in the game rather than less game. And if the pitch clock is going to make it harder on hitters, what exactly are they gaining? Because I don't think the young generation that they claim to be losing complains about baseball because it takes too long. It's because not enough happens. So this experiment is going to take a long time to ferret out. And I think the biggest thing that they're going to have to figure out is, can, can you can you make this into more runs? Because if you can't, this is a bad idea. Do you think we're experimenting with this, though? Or is this the new law of the land and the elasticity of the regular season will provide like zero refuge for those who do not like it. Like the, this is an umpire who will give you two heartbeats beyond the pitch clock as opposed to this umpire who is ready to give the batter an automatic ball on the heartbeat of the zero of the seconds. You know, I mean, it feels like the 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 NFL's play clock, like some umpiring crews will give you that heartbeat at zero. Others do not. I think it's going to depend on what the offense is doing. Because I could easily see, let's say we're on June 15th and offenses are down even more than usual because hitters aren't adjusting well. I could easily see a mandate from baseball that comes down and says, all right, we're going to make it 20 seconds. And we'll make it 25 when there's somebody on base. Because that's the real problem that baseball has. It's not time of game. It's pace of game. And making pitchers hurry up is all well and good because it'll shorten games. But will it shorten games and make them even more boring by doing so? I think that's a very real possibility. And so I could see them loosening the rules come the middle of the season if, like so many other experiments in the Rob Manfred era, this one blows up in their faces. Cobb said, subconsciously, you're in hurry-up mode. You're go, go, go. When you start your delivery, you have to think in your mind, you're good, slow it down, hit your points of delivery and all that, rather than staying in an I'm rushed mode. Well, I, again, putting time for anyone to adhere to into a Major League Baseball game is as radical a change as baseball has honestly ever seen. It truly is, Ray, and I don't mean to be um, too in the moment on this, but I don't think it's 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 an exaggeration to call this one of the biggest rule changes in sports history. Um, I think it's the biggest rule change in the history of Major League Baseball. I think so. I mean, with the possible exception of the designated hitter, which was, which was radical, which was profoundly radical for its time and outraged people even more than this is. What, why people are not quite as outraged about this as you might have thought is because two years ago, the average time of game was 3.11. That was for any game. You know, extra innings, seven inning game, whatever it was. And that became the mantra. The games are too long. The games are too long. The problem is it's not that the games are long. It's that they're dull because there's less athleticism because in a walk, strikeout, home run world, Nobody has to run hard for anything. 
Well, and that's the thing. Uh, so much of the action that you didn't even know you were watching and craved in baseball was action in the infield, action that came with bang-bang plays at bases, ground balls, double plays. That's it's, where so much of the action died. Yeah, stolen. I mean, a stolen base, taking first to third on a line drive single to right. You know, that, w that was when you saw players doing things athletically. And one of the things that the that the metric revolution did was it turned the game even more static than it was. It's as static now as it was before uh, 1969 when they expanded by four teams, lowered the mound, and then three years later gave us the designated hitter because baseball was in a similar situation. But nobody was worried about time of game then. They were worried about offense. And like I said, I don't know if the pitch clock is going to help offense or not. I think it could easily help the, uh, the pitchers more than it will the hitters. I mean, I think it's going to appeal to an element of the short attention span feeder that is out there. But if you've got a short attention span, I don't know much of a baseball you were watching in the first place. You know, and beyond that, it's is two to one better in two hours and 40 minutes? You know, I mean... Greg Maddox says yes. Sure, but Greg Maddox could do that. You know, he, he was one of those guys who was done in 210. But are they doing what? What's the goal here? It's to make baseball more vibrant. Does this make baseball more vibrant? I don't know that anybody knows the answer to that. We'll see. Which is why, I, well, yeah, but but that's why I say they might loosen this this up in the middle of the season if it looks like it's not working. What if the opposite is happening? What if it is a smorgasbord of offense? Then they'll leave it. Exactly, the, and they'll they'll take all the credit in the world, and they'll say, "Look what we did to save the game." You know, because this is this is about two things. If you're talking about the management of baseball, if it goes bad, blame somebody else. If it goes good, take all the credit, including the credit you don't deserve. Oh, come on! Victory is a thousand fathers. Defeat is an orphan. We all know that. Sure, but this is this is a commissioner, and this is a, a management. That needs a win on the field. Biggest rule changes in sports history. I mean, the NBA is dotted with rule changes that literally define the game that we see today. From the goaltending rule to the shot clock to allowing the dunk to the three-point line. Widening the lane. You change any of that, the game is, is radically different. I'm glad it all changed. In football, obviously the biggest rule change is you know allowing the legal downfield forward pass. You can't even imagine the game of football without quarterbacks being able allowed to throw it forward. And for baseball, I really think this is it. This is the pitch clock. What it looks like, how it's going to change the game, we will all learn shortly. Or maybe it'll take the whole year to learn what's going on here. But I, I mean, I think with hindsight, we can't say that yet. And by that, I mean if this is the biggest rule change ever, because we don't know what the effect will be. We know with hindsight what the effect of the designated hitter was. So for me right now, that's the biggest rule change in baseball history. We're going to come up with much more of this, and including a couple of your calls. We've got Law Murray, who is the best Clippers beat writer. He's joining us coming up in our next segment, which is the longest commercial-free segment of your entire blessed day on Sports Talk Radio. So don't you go anywhere. Damon and Ratto, it's good to be back with you. We are brought to you by Fremont Bank. Full-service banking, no compromises.
back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. We're going to get back to the phones. We're going to get back to a little uh, discussion of the pitch clock, how it's going to change baseball. But uh, we got ourselves two very big basketball games for the Golden State Warriors in the next two days. Starting tonight with a team that they're in a dead heat for, uh, the five seed. We got the Clippers in town. And to talk about the Clippers, Law Murray, one of the best Clippers beat reporters out there. You can catch him in The Athletic. And it's good to have you on here, Law. Thank you for joining us, Damon and Ratto. It is a pleasure to have you on today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, guys. And uh, thank you all for the weather up here because you'll, you'll get... You usually don't go to Northern California for better weather in Southern California, but that's what we got. Well, look, it was snowing a week ago, right? So uh, I'm glad you timed it as well as the NBA schedule would allow. Uh, before we get into anything, are the Clippers happy today that they have signed Russell Westbrook since starting him? They've gone 0-3. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers going 0-3 with Russell Westbrook is part adjustment period that hasn't obviously gone well, but it's also some bad luck there. Uh, Friday night, the Kings come to L.A., and the Clippers had a 14-point lead four minutes ago against a team that played in another city the night before. All you got to do is get a couple more stops, maybe a couple more scores. That's a completely different narrative, right? They don't do it. They blow it. They don't hold on to leads in overtime or double overtime lose that game. Yeah, uh, they definitely made it a little harder on themselves than they needed to. The reception on Law's cell phone right now with some of the uh, crowd noise behind him as he's walking to Chase Center is making this a little harder than it needs to be. So we'll see how long it takes for him to get to where he's going and then we'll we'll sort of restart this. Ray, if it doesn't sound good, we can't use it. On that note, turn your microphone on, you glorious SOB, you. I haven't had to say anything yet, so it wasn't a failure. It, it was not a failure on your part. No. It's a failure on the noise around job. him. In fact, I believe that the show's better when my microphone is off. So, how was it? So, you did miss me. Mm, I don't know if I miss anybody. I was, I was burdened by Lucas and Grandy. So. Just the pause that you put on that. I, want, I wanted to give it all the thought it required. But, um, no, I'm. it was interesting in what Law did say that, you know, A, it's too early to judge the Russell Westbrook thing, but that hasn't prevented people from judging it. Oh, no. Because all they know is it had to be his fault that they lost a game with 351 points in it. That was kind And of- it had to be his fault that they lost a game in overtime to the best team in the conference at their own building. Having said this, when you start looking at his plus minuses in those games, an argument might be made. But again, there is a bias covering him. There is no doubt. Some of it founded, some of it unfounded. We go back to Law Murray again, who covers the Clippers. Thank you very much, Law. We just had to we had to get you in a better spot. Hopefully, we got you there now. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I'm literally right on the bay here, so trying to trying to walk to the arena and everything. Nope, so, no problem. Uh, thanks for holding with me. No problem at all. Uh, are we going to be looking at Zubats tonight? That's a real concern. Uh, he was a game day downgrade to questionable, and you never want to see those. Uh, he was downgraded along with Marcus Morris Sr. And the thing with Zub is he's coming back from an injury that could have been more serious uh, than the team let on two weeks ago. Uh, he returned Tuesday night, played well, talked to me after, and said that 
he, you know, they they dodged a bullet there um, in Phoenix. But I think that it's a matter of pain tolerance, probably, um, being cautious. So I'm not sure we'll see if it's a Zubats. Typically, he's not the best matchup for the Warriors anyway. Um, but we got to see. I think the bigger concern is Marcus because a left elbow contusion on a, a non-shooting arm, that's normally not something that holds you out, but Marcus has been struggling. Um, and so maybe this is their way of saying, let's go another route and see what that looks like. And there's a lot to be determined pregame for the Clippers in this matchup tonight in Golden State. Uh, Westbrook aside, how do the Clippers look stylistically since the trade deadline? Um, I mean, just as a, as a rule, are they playing differently? I mean, sure, the, the game... The game against Sacramento throws everything off, but are they playing faster now? Are they trying to get a better pace? They're absolutely playing faster, and that's not... I'm not sure how great that is because... And we're going to see it tonight in Golden State. I don't know if them playing faster always benefits them. They're, they got older after the trade deadline, okay? They were already among the oldest teams in the league, if not the oldest team in the league. And so when you play with pace, everyone's like, let's play faster, let's play faster. And you usually hear that in the beginning of the season before those legs set in as the season goes along. Well, they played faster, and I even saw it before we saw Russell Westbrook, right? Because the Warriors were in L.A. for Valentine's Day. And that was a game where three days off, no travel. The Warriors had played twice since the last time the Clippers had played. The Clippers should have blew the Warriors out. But the Warriors are already a fast-paced team. And even though the Warriors' defense was absolutely crap that game, you just saw Jordan Poole say, okay, I know we gave up this bucket look, but 10 seconds later, let's get it right back. You know, It was like Steve Kerr was in seven seconds or less with the Suns all over again. And so while the Clippers are playing faster and while that achieves some ideals of you know high point totals and get some easy baskets, I don't think it's helping their defense because they're just getting blown by. Their transition defense is terrible, and that's when they protect the ball, something that they haven't done two of the three games with Russ. Law Murray, he covers the Clippers. There's no doubt. The Warriors can score with anyone. Playing defense seems to be a nightly choice they sometimes do or do not make. What is the one thing the Clippers, in your mind, do at an elite of a level as the NBA offers, and what is their biggest incomplete? They're, the, the best thing that the Clippers do is they can get their spots with their stars, especially in the mid-range, and it's something that in the, today's NBA, you got to be able to match up with that and just the firepower in areas of the floor that defenses don't account for anymore is, is it's just difficult. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, when they're on, they can, they can smoke you. Uh, that's been the recent strength. Uh, I, if you asked me this question like two, three months ago, I would have said their ability to defend without fouling and to just get you completely off rhythm. And that, ironically, has become their biggest incomplete. Where is the defense? Where is the ability to defend with urgency and to also be on the same page consistently? And that was something that was an issue before they added three new rotation players. And now you're trying to see if those rotation players are up to it. You're also trying to see if the star players, if the role players who've been there for two and three years, 
can get back to defending with the necessary ability to blow teams out when you're scoring and to at the save games when you're not necessarily scoring a lot. Uh, above and beyond the the injury questions, is there going to be any load management before the game tomorrow night in Sacramento, or are the Clippers looking at the the final twenty games of the season twenty or eighteen games for them as though every game is a must game unless you absolutely can't go? I think that, and, and this is a tough question that I know that the Warriors fans have heard this before. I think the ideal is both. You're trying to win every game. You got to sit guys and roll, you know, your B team out there. Herm Edwards, you know, he played to win the game. And so I don't expect Kawhi Leonard to play Friday night in Sacramento. And the reason for that is you're trying to get the most out of guys when they do play. And. I would be surprised if they go against what has been a plan that has been in place, no matter what the record of the team has been. And I know that's something Steve Kerr has said often this year about his guys. I mean, they've been even more extreme. And this year, at least, they don't even have a guy coming off the torn ACL like they did last year in Clay Thompson. So, I mean, every game is necessary. You need to win them all. If Kawhi plays tomorrow, then that's a good sign because I saw Clay Thompson finally play on a back-to-back, but it took him a year to do that, right? It's just going to be the same principle, like protect the player. And if the player, if the medical staff feels like, okay, Kawhi can go, because I know Kawhi would want to play. I just don't know if the team would let him. I do know that the team needs to win every game that they can possibly win. So it's a tough correlation to apply it to we're not playing you or we are playing you because of our record. Law Murray covers the Clippers. Joining us here on Damon and Ratto, you brought up Clay Thompson. You know, like he sees Oklahoma City Thunder jerseys, and Game Six Clay could emerge at any time. He sees Clippers jerseys, and a a night of struggling could be around the corner for Clay Thompson. They've guarded him as well as anybody throughout his career. Why is that? Any rhyme or reason to why they are a tough matchup for Clay Thompson? I think it comes down to respect and just knowing your personnel. Uh, what does Clay Thompson do extremely well? He gets that shot off, and he loves the mid-range, right? Yep. So Clay is not a player who's going to, at least efficiently, drive to the rack all the time. He doesn't draw a lot of fouls. Clay's not the most interested in passing the basketball. And so the Clippers have the personnel to guard him. They have the awareness of not letting Clay get free. And we're going to see how well that holds up because if there's one thing the Clippers have done a poor job of, it's point of attack defense where they get beat by one guy, another guy's got to rotate, and all of a sudden the guy that you knew that you, if you ever want to stay solid that you know not to help off of, all of a sudden you're out of position to defend the three-pointer. You better not let that guy be Clay because we know Clay Thompson is capable of 20-point quarters. So... That's really what it comes down to. T. Lou knows this team. He's been in the finals with a lot of guys on this team. I know a lot of those dudes aren't still playing uh, tonight. It's not like you're going to see Seth, for example. But Clay Thompson, they know what to do. They got big wings. They win the Clippers defenses at their best. They force you off of your spot. Uh, and that's what makes Clay relatively uncomfortable. Is this a team that Ty Lue is comfortable coaching right now? And if not, because of the changes, 
how long do you think it will take before he is either comfortable with them or has to change what they do? I think Clay, uh, well, I think with T. Lou, he wants an evaluation period because they brought in so many new guys. That evaluation period includes tonight. It'll include Friday night in Sacramento. And I believe that it'll also include Sunday night when they return home to host the Memphis Grizzlies, their first meeting of the season with that team. And after that, the Clippers have a ton of rest days, a ton of time where you can practice. You're not traveling. You have two and three days off between games, which is, you know, kind of ridiculous, but it's also a result of the front-loaded schedule that the NBA gave the Clippers. So I think after this weekend, T. Lou is going to have all the information that he needs to utilize his best guys and not play any tinkering games going forward. Um, I do think that he has struggled this season, making sure to not put lineups on the floor that have no business being on the floor, like Eric Gordon in for the center, for instance, with the rest of the starters. I mean, that has basically turned into a landline for guys like Sabonis and Rudy Gobert. So I think he has all the pieces that he would want, and that has not always been the case this year. Like, he didn't have a backup center. He didn't have the point guard that he wanted uh, often. So he got he got what he wanted. And it's a good problem for T. Lou to have when we talk about depth, but it's turning into a problem that still needs a solution nonetheless. Uh, let me wrap up with this law. How much of a problem does Terrence Mann have with Russell Westbrook showing up and gobbling his minutes? Because it felt like... The Clippers were starting to hit their stride. They probably had a, a lot more to do with Kawhi and Paul starting to play together and be healthy for a group of weeks together. But um, Russ's minutes are eating into, you know, Terrence Mann's minutes. How upset is he? I think Terrence has had a chip on his shoulder his entire basketball life, probably. And I know that even when Kawhi and TG started stringing consecutive games together and Terrence obviously was a starter during that time. Terrence was always playing with something else, just not necessarily on his mind, but knowing that nothing's guaranteed. Like his role has been shuffled around so much this season, so much the year before that. The year before that, he started the year as a third stringer. So Terrence has always overcome. He's always made the most of his time. He's always winds up taking somebody else's spot whether it's uh, an established veteran or a fellow uh, young player in his prime. So I think this is going to want to be in the case again. Don't be surprised if Terrence winds up taking Marcus Morris's spot for all I know because of the fact that they need a more productive player. Terrence winds up producing, but I can't really say that Terrence is like in his feelings or anything. That's not for him. I think the fans are definitely in their feelings for him. Um, they saw a player who they felt earned a starting role, and now you got Russell Westbrook come in, and you know he, the team is obviously take a, taking a back step to accommodate for that. But I will say this: Terrence needs to make sure that when he does get his opportunity, whether it's in the starting lineup, in the second unit, in the fourth quarter, he's got to make the most of them. Um, and the thing that I'm looking for the most is: can you make those threes in the fourth quarter? He's only made one three in the last six weeks in the fourth quarter of a game. So that's going to be the big situation. If he's going to be on the floor and the possessions get tight, can he be the outlet guy and make something happen? 
we got to see that more often. You need Clippers information. You need to be following Law Murray. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you guys, and keep this weather good. We'll do our best. We'll we'll do everything we can. That's that's for sure. Uh, Law Murray here on 95.7 The Game. Damon and Ratto, just a little bit late. Let me welcome everyone to your 5 o'clock hour. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.